Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Wednesday evening and most of Thursday, about half the staff went to Allison Park Church for a seminar conference. The basic gist of the conference was a bunch of guys stood up from big churches and encouraged us to be faithful and to do the things that we're supposed to do. And uh, as I looked around the room, there were a group of guys that I used to meet with every two weeks. Uh, Jay Passivant, who founded Northway Christian Community, John Nuzo from Victory Family Church, Jeff Leake, of course, from Allison Park, and I didn't see Ralph Vogel, who used to be in that group, and when I used to sit around with those guys every two weeks, I felt like a mouse among lions, because they had, you know, they had done it longer than I had, and they had been building churches and seeing people, people's lives transformed, and, uh, and as I saw Jay, and, and he wasn't there on Wednesday night, but I saw him Thursday, just after lunch. And I walked over and, you know, we hugged each other and, and he said, I hear things are going great at your church. I said, yeah, they really are. And he said, all of us who have been watching you want you to know that we, we think you deserve everything you're getting. And I, in my mind, whenever I hear that statement, you deserve what you're getting, I always think this, no, I deserve to burn in hell forever. That's what I deserve. Anything beyond salvation that Jesus gives me is a bonus. And wow, the bonuses are amazing these days. I, I don't know if you all realize it, we have an incredible staff here at New Life. The people that I get to work with every day, they are incredibly devoted men and women of God. Yes. And, and the folks who are not on staff officially, but who volunteer behind the scenes, in front of the scenes. They're very committed to Jesus. And I get to work with you all, people who love Jesus or who are coming to love Jesus. And uh, I mean, when I wake up every day, I, I am happy to be me. And I said to Jay, I said, it's fun now. You know what that's like. And he said, yes, I do. And he said, and I know it wasn't always fun. And I just want you to know that I, he said the word, admire you for sticking with it, and that meant a lot to me. And I'm, I'm just telling you that for two reasons. One is because I wanted to affirm all of you and, and all the staff, but two, some of you are in hard times right now in your life, and I just wanna admonish you to stick with it, because if you and I will stay with it long enough, we will see fruit that will last for eternity, and, and that's, that's cool. That has nothing to do at all with what I was going to say in my message. I just felt called to say that last night and today. So um, here's what I do want to say is a lot of you came out after last weekend's message, and a lot of you weren't here last week, frankly. It was Memorial Day. That's okay. You were away doing something. But a lot of you who were here came out and said, I really needed that message. And we started a new series, as you saw, called Wise and Careful Living. And uh, as, as they came out, what they were talking about is I had said last week that the take-home point, and for those of you who are first-time guests, we have one point we make each week. Last week's was um, the wise care fools despair. And, and that was based on one verse from Ephesians chapter 5. And during these seven weeks of this series, we're just going to look at one verse from Ephesians 5, 15 to 21 every week. And verse 15 says this, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. And as we talked about that last week, what I said is we all live or walk. The Greek word for live in the, in the case of Ephesians 5 is walk. We either live or walk in one of three time zones. We walk in the present. We walk in the past. 
or we walk in the future. And what I said last week was that a lot of people live in despair. It's foolish, but a lot of people live in despair because they're sitting here in the past. They're stuck in the past saying, if only, if only I had listened to my mother. If only I had married that woman. If only I hadn't married that woman. If only I I hadn't taken that first drink. If only, if only, if only. And so we live in despair because of what we did do or we didn't do, some sin real or imagined, and we never live in the present, which the wise people who live in the present, the wise care, what does that mean? It means that we live cautiously and accurately. That's what care means. Careful means uh, cautious and accurately. But some people don't live in the past and they don't live in the present. They live in the despair of the future, which we call worry about the future. It's the not the if lonely, but the what if. What if... What if the stock market crashes and I lose all my money again? What if I get cancer? What if my marriage goes the wrong way? What if my job, which seems so wonderful today, doesn't seem so wonderful tomorrow? What if, what if, what if? And so instead of living the only day we have, which is today, some people despair about the past and some people despair about the future. That's foolish because the wise care and fool's despair. And what people said to me coming out last week was, I've been living over here. I've been living in this despair. And I needed that reminder because I'm going to commit today to live in the present, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So all last week, every day I got up and I was praying this, God, please let us all live in the present. Let us live today. It's the only day we got. Let us live wisely because I know the wise care fools despair. So let us live today. And speaking of today, today's take-home point is the wise invest time Fools spend it. The wise invest time, fools spend it. We're going to look at Ephesians 5.16 today, just as we looked at Ephesians 5.15 last week. Before we do that, what we're going to do is read all of Ephesians 5.15 to 21, seven verses. You may want to get out your Bible or your Bible app because you might want to take some notes because we're going to be in this one little passage for seven weeks. So here's what God said through the Apostle Paul, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live but, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further... Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, my prayer is simple. Give us wisdom. The wisdom that only you can give us so that we will invest our time today and each day you give us instead of spending it. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we're going to do, same thing we did last week. If you were here, we're going to take this one verse this case, it's going to be Ephesians 5.16. We're going to look at it in three translations. The NLT, the New Living Translation, which is the most commonly used translation here at New Life. Then we're going to look at it in the ESV, which was or is uh, Pastor Brad's favorite translation, the English Standard Version. Then we're going to look at it in the MOT, which is my own translation. And if you weren't here last week, you're probably laughing right now. <laughs> okay, no. Seriously, I've been studying Greek for 33 years. And I use it regularly to go back to the original text to see why did they translate it this way and one of the other translations this way, I wanted to know. So we're going to look at it, same verse in three translations. The first one, the New Living Translation, we already read, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Then the ESV says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, 
With the Greek, we had, I had to do something a little different. I have to put two more translations because the participle that's used there can be translated two different ways. Redeeming the time because the days evil are or exploiting the opportunity because the days evil are. You Star Wars fans, such as I am, will notice that Yoda helped to translate or to originally put it into Greek because the days evil are, not the days are evil. But anyway, that's why we use the NLT here because in the original Greek, the word order isn't important. If you have a word-for-word literal translation, you're going to get Yoda translation. But if you have a dynamic equivalent translation, which means they're translating the meaning and the intent, it's often easier to understand. But the gist is easy to understand, isn't it? The gist is simple, that there's time and we need to use it wisely because the days are evil. That's pretty much what it says, no matter how you do that. And that's why the take-home point is the wise invest time while fools spend it. Now, as I've been living on this planet, and it'll be 57 years this coming Saturday, June 7th is my birthday, just a little hint. Okay, so anyway, um, this Saturday will be 57 years. I've noticed something about time and money. You can only do two things with them. You can either invest them or spend them. Now, we all know about investing money because when you invest money wisely, you have more of it later on. If you spend it, you have less of it. It's just that simple. More, and you invest money and you get more. You spend money, you have less. How, how does that work with time, though? It's, I said we in, wise invest time. How do you invest time? Because it's, I mean, we have 60 seconds in every minute, 60 minutes in every hour, you know, 24 hours in every day, seven days in every week, so on. How could we invest time? I mean, can you get 63 seconds out of a minute? Can, can you get an hour and 10 minutes out of an hour? Well, no. But here's what I mean. To invest time means to do one of two things. It means to use time in such a way that you or I will become more like Jesus Christ ourselves, or we will use it in such a way that somebody else will come to know Jesus or become like him. Right now, I'm investing time. I'm glorifying God in my life right now. I'm teaching you, but I'm also learning. In fact, I've learned several things this weekend. The Holy Spirit teaches me while I teach you. It's a cool thing. If you've ever done it, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, it's a cool thing. Okay? And you all have the opportunity in this very time to be investing time so that you can grow in your own faith and so that you can go out and share and help somebody else grow. Now, here's the thing. We could be doing something else right now, couldn't we? All of us. We could be sleeping right now. Some of you, no, you're not. You're not going to sleep here. But you could be sleeping. And, and believe it or not, I'm going to tell you that sleeping is investing time if you do it eight hours a day. Because God created in the fabric of creation day and night. Actually, he created night and day. If you do Genesis 1, if you read the very first book of the Bible, Genesis 1 says there was night and there was morning. Evening, morning, first day. Why is that? That's so we're go to sleep and rest, and then we get up and work. Okay, there's a, there's a rhythm to life. Rest, work, rest, work, rest, work. Then six times. Then on the seventh day, just rest. The seventh day is the Sabbath day. We're supposed to take a whole day off and rest because rest is important. But we all know there are hundreds of other things we can do with time, and a lot of them are just spending time. And billions of people all over the world right now are wasting their time. They're spending their time. Five years from now, if they keep doing what they're doing today, they will not know Jesus any better. They will not have helped anybody else know Jesus anymore because they're wasting their time. And that's foolish. It's foolish to spend time. It's wise to invest it. Now, we're going to talk about what it means to invest our time in practical ways. But before we do that, we have to look at the second half of the verse. It says, the days are evil. 
Can a day really be evil? It's an interesting question, but there's actually a more important question, and the question is, is there actually evil in the world? Is there really evil in the world? The reason I ask that question is because if you pick up a Bible from Genesis chapter 3, Genesis being the first book of the Bible, forward, everywhere in the Bible from Genesis 3 to the end of the book, it says that there's evil in the world. Evil exists. In fact, Genesis 6 verse 5 says this, the human heart Oh, I'm sorry. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Look at that. Every, I mean, that's every thought. Every intention of the thought of our heart is only evil continually. Now, that isn't the way it started out. The way it started out in Genesis chapter one and two, which is the only perfect place in the Bible Next to Revelation 21 and 22, uh, the last two chapters are perfect. The first two chapters are perfect. But everything in between, there's evil. But in the first two chapters, God created the universe, everything it contains. Then he created a man and a woman, Adam and Eve. He said, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion over it. In other words, you're in charge. And then he would come and visit him every day and say, how was the day? What did you do today? Oh, that's cool. Uh, here's what I did today. You know, they had an interaction. There was, it was perfect. God talked to them every day. They talked to each other. They loved each other. The earth was perfect. There was no weeds or anything. It was perfect. Then something happened. What happened is this. The serpent came along, the devil, and he said to Eve, did God really say? And he's, he's going to start doing something that he's been doing ever since that moment. He's going to deceive human beings. Now, there's a difference between dishonesty and deception. Dishonesty is just telling a lie. Deception is telling a lie so that it sounds like the truth. All right? So the, the, the serpent says to, to Eve, are, is, did God say you can't eat that tree, fruit from that tree? And now the tree was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God had said you can't eat from that because when you do, you'll die. And, and Eve says, well, yeah, he said we can't eat from that tree or touch it, which God didn't say that. But if we do, we're going to die. And now here's the first deception. The devil goes, you're not going to die. We see they didn't die. When they ate the fruit, they didn't die physically. They died spiritually in that, in that instant. But they didn't die physically. So there was a little bit of truth and a lot of lie in the deception. And uh, so they ate the fruit. And when they ate the fruit, evil came into the world. And that, that evil was transmitted generation to generation to generation right up to the present day. So that that's why what it says in, in Genesis 6-5 is still true. That we have evil hearts now, are the days evil? Technically, no. I mean, a couple weeks ago, remember I said a brick isn't good or evil, it's just a brick. And a $50 bill isn't good or evil, it's just a $50 bill. And days aren't good or evil, they're just days. But we're evil before we have Jesus in our life, and we live in the time, so that's why the days are evil, because evil people are living in the world. And now I want you to have one more scripture this is a very incredible scripture. Gener Gener Jeremiah 17, 9 says this in the NLT. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And then the NIV reads, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Now, I'll tell you what. I like watering down the gospel. That's a joke. Because I just told us that we are wicked and deceitful above all things. If I was watering down the gospel, I'd leave that part out. Because nobody wants to hear that we're wicked 
Nobody wants to hear that our hearts are deceitful above all things. But that's what the Bible says, so I have to say it. Because someday I'm going to stand in front of Jesus, and I want to have him smile when he looks at me, and I want to have my head looking in his eyes. Not like this. So anyway, the heart is deceitful above all things. Now, this is a bad situation. From Genesis 1 and 2 where it was perfect, the days were good, they weren't evil. From Genesis 3 on, it's evil. There's evil everywhere. And God looked at the world in that condition, and God could have said, I don't even care. They've rejected me, I'm rejecting them. But he didn't. God looked at us, and this is the most incredible thing. I, can't even, I still can't believe it. I mean, I believe it, but I can't believe it. God, Jesus, we're told in Philippians 2, who, in, who was in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be held on to, but he emptied himself and became a servant. And he was obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross. Jesus didn't deserve to die. We did. Jesus didn't deserve to, to have to let his innocent blood be shed, but Paul tells us what he did that, why he did that was to redeem us. Isn't it interesting that in the Greek we could translate redeeming the time? How do you redeem the time? Well, you've got to get redeemed yourself. I have to be redeemed before I can redeem time. And Jesus gave us the opportunity to be redeemed. That means to have our sin paid for, to have the penalty of death taken away in our lives and have a new life. And a new life that's going to last forever. So once we understand the condition of the world, you know, during the Lord's Supper, I heard these little children, you know, and I heard one go, no. Huh. That was a surprise. Well, not to me, though, because I've had two children. Where does that no come from? You know, I mean, no comes from the, the heart that we're born with. You know, I mean, somebody said, did you ever hear a little kid go, yours? <laughs> no. Mine, mine, it's mine, right? We don't have to be taught to be evil, we are. Just saying. Okay, so anyway, I love having children in the service, so don't think I'm saying anything bad about that because you know, there's some churches where they haven't heard a baby cry for like 50 years. We hear them cry all the time. We don't like them crying, but we love that they're here to cry. The reason we don't like them crying because we want them to be happy. Okay, but anyway. That's a tangent. Let's get back to the main point here. We're all evil and wicked. God loves us so much that he comes in and gives us a new life. And because of that, we can redeem the time. That's the point. Now, how do we redeem the time? This is very important. We need to remember that we were saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ to do good works. Now, the devil is amazingly deceptive. And the devil did something that I can't even believe, he, well, I can, but it's sort of hard to believe that he did this. He took something that is so good and he turned it into something that's becoming bad. What's so good is this. In the, about 500 years ago, the, the church had become pretty screwed up because it was made up of human beings who were still sinning. Um, and, and back then, believe it or not. And so they were thinking that you had to work your way into heaven. And so some people started reading their Bibles and they read Romans 3.23 and it said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then they read verse 24. It says, but are justified freely by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And they're like, whoa, who put that in there? Well, the answer is God put it in there to remind us that we can't do anything to be saved. 
that we are saved by grace through faith, and that's how the Protestant Reformation started. Whenever people realize the only way you can get right with God is to receive the rightness that he already gave us through Jesus Christ. And that's good, that's true, that's 100% true. There's nothing that we can do to get saved other than receive a gift that Jesus purchased. Now here's the deception. The deception is that we don't have to do anything as a result of faith. We did not get saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone in order to sit on our butts for the rest of our lives. We got saved so we can do good works. And we have forgotten that. I want you to listen to something. Please, 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 if you don't listen to anything else I say today, listen to this. Jesus said, this is why I want you to listen to it because Jesus said it. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Notice, Jesus didn't say, if you obey what I command, you'll be saved. He said, if you already love me, which means you're already saved, because when we, don't, when we aren't saved, we don't love Jesus. But when we're already saved, if you love me, you will do what I say. You see, that's the thing the American church has forgotten. Do you know what most people think about the American church who aren't in the American church? They think that we are hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? Somebody says one thing and does something else, right? Or says one thing and doesn't do anything. Just talks. So, Jesus said, not me, Jesus, if you love me, you will do or obey what I command. Now, we believe the easy part. In fact, yesterday I went to the Billy Graham training so I could tell people about Jesus because I really want to know how to do that, you know? Um, anyway, that was also a joke uh, because I've already been telling people about Jesus since I was 12. But anyway, they have these two verses. They are such good verses, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And they teach these verses that you should tell people these things. And it's very true. We should tell people these things. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. That's the truth. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. That's the truth. We are saved by grace through faith, nothing else. But you know what? They forgot verse 10. Verse 10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So why did Jesus die on the cross so long ago? For two reasons, because he said, you're my masterpiece. How many of you get up in the morning, look in the mirror and go, I am God's masterpiece? <laughs> Probably not, right? We think there's only like one out of a hundred of them, maybe one out of a thousand. No, we're all God's masterpiece. So we're God's masterpiece, that's why he died for us and when I'm feeling bad, I think about that. Oh man, Jesus died for me. Wow, I don't care what people say about me. I really don't care what people say about me. Because Jesus died for me, I'm his masterpiece. And then the second half, and I was created, you were created, we were created to do the good works he prepared for us beforehand. When was the beforehand? Before the creation of the universe. Before the creation of the universe, he created you and me for good works. And the American church has forgotten that. And that's why everybody thinks we're hypocrites. Well, not everybody, but most people do out there in the fake world. 
I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. But okay, out there in the fake world, people think that we're hypocrites because we don't do what we say, and we will never do what we say if we're not investing our time. We will just spend our time like everybody else, and we'll look like everybody else, and they'll have a legitimate reason to wonder if salvation is real, and if Jesus' grace really can change us. So, let's say... Ah, okay. We could list dozens of ways, dozens of ways that we could invest our time. And most of you right now, when I say, how can you invest your time to live the good works that Jesus created you to do? I know what you're doing. You're going, oh, I need to read my Bible more. You do. So do I. Oh, I need to pray more. We do. I need to fast. I don't even know what that is, but I'm going to figure it out and do it. I need to give more. And we have this list of spiritual things that we need to do, and we do, we do need to do those things. But I'm talking about far more than that, because most American Christians, if they do a little bit of that, they say, well, I did it, I'm done. Now I can go live my real life in the fake world. But here's the thing, I'm gonna give you an example of a life that's gonna look like Jesus is in charge of it tomorrow. It's gonna be my life, I'm gonna use me as the example because I'm up here. And, um, and what I'm gonna to do tomorrow, if I'm first off, I presume I'm gonna to live tomorrow, I don't know, Jesus might come back this afternoon, I might drive like I usually do on the way home and get killed. But if I'm alive tomorrow and I wake up, here's what my day is gonna look like, okay? Number one, I'm gonna wake up, I'm gonna say, good morning Lord, thanks for a new day. Start off with gratitude. Then I'm gonna get out of bed. I'm gonna put on my workout clothes. I'm gonna go down and work out for a half an hour or an hour so I can take care of the body that is the temple of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gave me. Then I'm gonna take a shower so the rest of you all wanna be around me tomorrow. Then I'm gonna eat a healthy breakfast. I'm not gonna have Pop-Tarts. I'm not gonna have some munchy, crunchy stuff with sugar and stuff in it. I'll have a good breakfast. And then I'm gonna go and pray and read my Bible for a half an hour. Then I'm gonna get out my to-do list, which I'm gonna to make tonight. And my to-do list, I already know it has this on it. I'm gonna write first-time guest letters. If you came, I'm gonna send you a letter. I'm gonna uh, plan some of the life group stuff for this fall. I'm going to um, write the TENS, which is a daily Bible study that I do, so you all can have that Bible study. It's on the internet, newlifexn.org, um, the blog, or no, the TENS. Um, and then I'm gonna mow my grass, which I really don't have to do very much of because I did that last night after church. And then I'm gonna weed my garden. Then I'm gonna spend an hour of intentional time with my wife, Nancy, an hour of intentional time with my daughter, Emmy, if she's around for me to do that. And I know what you're thinking. How many hours are in your day? That was 16 hours, which leaves me, how many hours? Eight to do what? Sleep. Huh, that would be a perfect day, wouldn't it? 16 hours intentionally invested to the glory of God, eight hours of sleeping, which is also to the glory of God. And if I would do that every day from now for three months, in those three months, I would, number one, be closer to my wife than I've ever been, closer to my daughter than I've ever been. I would be at my ideal weight. I would be advancing the kingdom of God and I would be well rested. And your heart is trying to deceive you right now. Your heart's saying you can't do that. Maybe he can do that, but I can't do that. No, you know what? You know why I know your heart's telling you that? Because that's what my heart was telling me when I was writing up my list for this message today. I was going like, 16 hours of following Jesus? Man, I just got cable so I could watch the pirates again. <laughs> because 
If I live my 16 hours the way I just did it, you know what I can't do? I can't stay up at 10, 10 p.m. and watch the Pirates play San Diego tomorrow night. What I can't do is I can't go and talk to my neighbor about why did you mow your grass and clippings into my garden? What I can't do is I can't be Twittering and tweeting, whatever it is what you do, and texting and all that emailing stuff that doesn't matter to people all day long. I can't gossip with anyone about anything. I can't be ingesting stuff into my body that's going to make me sick or ill, or over time, kill me. I can't do any of those things if I'm going to do those 16 hours of things that's investing the time. And you're saying, well, Pastor Chris, you're the pastor, so maybe you better try that because let us know how it goes. (laughs) Here's the commitment, just in case you're interested. I will make the most of every opportunity in the power of the Holy Spirit this week. Now, imagine what's going to happen as we do that. I just pretended that we were going to be 550 people here this weekend. I don't know if that's right or wrong because sometimes there's 600, sometimes there's 460, whatever. I just said 550. And if 550 people would get up tomorrow and spend 16 hours doing what God wants us to do and sleep for eight hours, that would be 92,400 hours invested in advancing the kingdom of God. 30,800 of those hours would just be sleeping. We can get that part down probably, right? All right, now, and everybody's going, it can't be done. Who's telling us that? The devil, that's right, the devil. My deceitful heart's telling me that. Jesus certainly isn't telling me that, and the Holy Spirit certainly isn't telling me that or you that. Okay, let's just pretend that we can't do it. I mean, it's not true, we can do it, but let's pretend we can't. Let's pretend we could only do half of that. Well, if we could only do half of that, that would be 46,200 hours devoted to advancing the kingdom of God this week, just among us. Wow. You know what's going to happen by next week if we do that? We're going to have to have more chairs at this service and the other service and the other service. We'll probably have to have a fourth service. I'm up with that, down with that, whatever the word is these days. I don't know. Okay? The bottom line is I have to make a decision. And then I have to make a commitment, and then I have to do something. Or I can continue to be like most Americans, and I can say I'm a Christian, and I can just keep living like I want to. Now, this scares me to death that I might actually have to live 16 hours of every day for Jesus in the next three months. I'm the pastor of the church, so if it's scaring me to death, I'm pretty sure some of you got skid marks on your shorts right now. (laughs) Right? But, but, if we will commit to Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, and if we will redeem the time, make the most of every opportunity, whatever we want to call it, in the power of the Holy Spirit, this community will never be the same. This community will never be the same. That's my goal. Remember Acts 2, 42 to 47? I want the goodwill of all the people and I want as many people as possible to come to know Jesus Christ. And I have never been afraid to tell the truth. Amen. And I'm not gonna be afraid to tell the truth even though I might be afraid to live into this 16-hour thing. In fact, yesterday, I was on my way to the Billy Graham thing. I had to pick my suit up at the cleaners because I had a wedding yesterday afternoon, and I leave my suit at the cleaners because I don't want to take space in my closet, and I hardly ever wear it. But anyway, 
as I was walking out with my suit from the cleaners, God, the Holy Spirit, said to me, you should ask the lady to come to church. And, and, and I'm the pastor of the church, right? And I'm like, eh, I gotta go tell people, I gotta go learn about evangelism. I can't be telling somebody about Jesus. <laughs> you know? Did you ever have that happen? So anyway, anyway, and it's not the lady in Saxonburg. Some people said, oh, don't, what? It's, I'm not even telling you where it is, okay? You don't need to know. But need to know basis. So I stopped and I went back and I said, hey, do you have a good church you attend? And she said, no, I really don't at the time. I said, well, I have a really good church you could come to if you want to. Saturday, I said, what time do you get off work today? She said, four o'clock. I said, well, we have a service at 6.30 tonight over in Saxonburg. She said, oh, okay. And I said, and if you can't come tonight, tomorrow, 8.15, I mean, 8.45 or 10.15, I don't think she's come. But the next time, I guess I'll have to start wearing suits more so I can go talk to her. But anyway, or I'll dry clean my sports shirt, whatever. Um, but anyway, see, it's not hard. It's not hard to, re- hard to redeem the time if we really are serious about it. We've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, not of works, lest anybody boast. That's the easy part of the gospel. We're God's masterpiece, created to do good works that he prepared for us before the foundation of the world. So tomorrow, he has some works for us to do. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you, if you're committed to doing that this week, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand right now, okay? Raise your hand if you're committed to doing that. This week, it's a whole week. Okay, don't go like that. Okay, your hands up. If your hands up, let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for everybody who's hands up, everybody who's hands down. I pray that this week you will fill us up with your Holy Spirit, that you will let us experience the freedom of our lives being redeemed like we never have before. And in that situation, that we will redeem your time. And that everything that we are and everything that we do will bring you glory and honor. God, I know that before I leave this place, there's going to be something that's going to cause me to not want to do that. I pray that you'll overcome that. And I pray that for everybody here. God, I pray that as we go back out into that fake world, that we will make it real for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.